Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your love. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'm sure you have often found yourself asking, what, what, what just happened? Keonda! But which, by the way, I'm told translates to, what's up? <laughs> well, on Easter Sunday, Jesus is up, right? <laughs> Maybe something beautiful happened in your life, unexpected. You know, you know what I mean? The moment when you suddenly realized that the love of your life loves you back. Wow, what just happened? Que onda? Or maybe it's something shockingly unbearable. The announcement that Russian, Russia invaded Ukraine. The stories, the pictures of the violence of war, lives destroyed, bodies lying on the ground. What just happened? Que onda? Well, today is Easter Sunday. It's the day when we remember that God is up to something mysterious and improbable and unseen. We who hear the story some 2,000 years later begin our Easter with the singing of hallelujahs. So how is it that we got here? Well, I, I know. I got in my car this morning and drove down Central <laughs> Expressway. That's not what I'm saying. How did we get here? How is it that those who were present in the moment began their Easter in skepticism and fear. But we sing with our faith, what just happened? Que onda? The women who made their way to the tomb that morning were going to prepare a dead body for burial. Jesus was dead. They were clear life with him was over. No doubt on the way they asked himself, what just happened? What just happened? And unlike the resurrection stories of the other Gospels, in the Gospel of Luke, the women come to the graveyard and see nothing. They see nothing. There is no resurrected Christ. These women, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women had been at the cross. They had followed the body to the tomb. They had seen it laid in the sepulcher. So is it any wonder that they were perplexed? Actually, the Greek there means extraordinarily disturbed. On that first Easter morning, the women who came to the tomb just before dawn saw nothing. We hear that two people dressed in dazzlingly lightning-like clothes appeared to them and asks the women in their perplexity, in their extraordinary disturbance, why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus is not here. Christ is risen. Remember what he said? That's it. That's all they get. all they get. Jesus is not here. Christ is risen. Remember what he said. They don't get a resurrected body. 
They don't get a risen savior walking and talking with them in a garden. What they get is a proclamation. Christ is risen. And friends, this is the resurrection moment. They see an empty tomb, hear the proclamation, remember the words of Jesus, and they believe. And they don't believe as in knowing all the answers, having all the facts. They believe in a knowing that permeates their minds. They believe and trust with their souls. They believe and trust and see with their hearts. In short, in that moment, they have moved from what just happened, Keonda, to proclamation, Christ is risen. That's it. That's the story. And the women have a choice. They can go back to the place where the others are, and they can stay silent or they can tell. So their choice is to go back into their community and tell what they experienced. What they experienced. Huh. It would be safer to stay silent, frankly. Their story was received by the men as an idle tale. The Greek word used here and used only one time in the Gospel of Luke is much more than idle tale or women's chatter. The disciples looked at the women and said, Nonsense! Baloney! It's a lie! Or as preaching professor at Columbia Theological Seminary in Atlanta says, What is her name? Anna Carter Florence says, Pick your worst locker room word, and this is the power of the rejection they received. No doubt you know what that feels like, don't you? We've all been in that dark place. We, unlike the women, have all seen the body. We have wept at an open grave. We know the sense of finality. We know the depths of sorrow and despair. We know the fog of sorrow and uncertainty with which the women went to the tomb that morning, and we know rejection, and we know fear, and we know doubt that rattles our souls, and we know deep and unrelenting sorrow. We know this. We know the wake you up at 3 a.m. in the morning fear about the future, ours and the world's. And there are two things I think we need to know this morning. <clears throat> First, if you find the story of Jesus' resurrection a little hard to believe, then good, because you're thinking about it. And you're in good company. The disciples all, even the women that morning, the disciples all struggled to believe it. When God raised Jesus from the dead, God was creating a new reality, declaring once and for all that love was more powerful than hate and life is more enduring than death. Huh. And sometimes the church has really gotten this all wrong, frankly. While we may give the impression that perfect faith conquers all doubt, 
Faith and doubt are woven tightly together. Doubt, questions, even downright skepticism aren't the opposite of faith, but an essential ingredient for faith. Second, maybe it's just as important to simply be on Easter Sunday, be in the midst of this mystery called resurrection without really thinking about it, allowing the wonder of God's victory to wash over us, for the resurrection to break in to your heart and your mind and your soul in a new way. The women told. They told what they did not see, what they did not witness. Maybe it wasn't what they said, but how they said it. They were changed, no longer in despair, no longer discouraged, no longer grieving. They were changed from heartache to hope by an empty tomb. And look what happens. When they tell the disciples, Peter, who probably was at the head of the clan saying, absurd, this is an idle tale, perks up. He gets up and goes running to the tomb. He had discovered for himself what theologian Frederick Wigner said, resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing. Or as the, world, the words of the prophet Sonny Kapoor in the best exotic marigold hotel said, everything will be all right in the end. If it's not all right, it's not the end. <laughs> so, in the end, this is all the evidence we have to offer to those who ask us what just happened, Keonda, and how in the world could you possibly believe this stuff? Well, maybe we can say we believe because the women were the last at the cross and the first to the tomb, and they proclaimed this truth. And those skeptical disciples were transformed from hiding behind locked doors, depressed and discouraged people, into those who would die with a message of resurrection on their lips and hope in their hearts. You and I are here today because someone told you. We stand on the shoulders of those who have believed and confessed and taught us in their stories and in their lives that God raised Jesus from the dead. You can name them. The resurrection is not just about a change in Jesus, it's about a change in us. To live as Easter people in a Good Friday world is to live with the mystery and to allow that mystery to transform us. I'm sure you remember the first consequential death you experienced. Mine was when I was a freshman in high school. My, my dad's father, Papa Hutt's father, whom we call Dandy, died. <clears throat> it was the first time I had heard the words that shocked me so deeply. He died. It was the first time I had ever been to a funeral home. The first time I had looked at an open casket with a body lifeless inside of it the first time I had been to a cemetery with an open grave. And after the graveside service, after the funeral and the graveside service, at which I did not cry at all, 
after my heart was broken into pieces, as we were walking away from the gravesite, my best friend Pam, her mother, Aileen Hill, walked to me and wrapped me up in her arms. And I cried, and I cried, and I cried. But in that gesture, her holding me close, I knew that I was going to be okay, that life and love still existed. Let me tell you something. Every time you sit across the table from someone and you say, you can do this, every time you stand with someone and put your arm around them and say, you will survive this, and every time you stand with someone at an open grave and you say, I love you, you proclaim the resurrection. You know how this works. You've seen it. You've been part of it. Our little church, nine years old this year, has been proclaiming this kind of truth from the beginning. When the world says no to you LBGTQ, LMNOP plus people, no to you trans people, no to you people of color, no to you people differently abled, no to you immigrants and refugees. This church says, yes, come on, we will love you. We will love you. This faith community has loved the least, the last, the lost, and the lonely. We have fed the hungry, cared for the poor, stood for justice and peace, and we have proclaimed the truth of God's love for all people even when our message has been rejected. God is up to something here. It's called resurrection. And we are going to tell the world about it. It is our witness to the mystery of the resurrection that gives people hope. When we speak the truth of God's love alive in us today, we proclaim the resurrection. We witness to the truth that love wins, life wins, and when that happens, others want to see it for themselves and come running. The primary importance of this story today is not the empty tomb or whether or not there was a physical resurrection or uh, recoverable bones. The primary importance is that on that first Easter day, the women didn't talk about an empty tomb. They talked about new life. And in that moment, we went from death to life, and resurrection became a reality. What just happened? Keonda, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.